these guys survive the David Kahn era of Timberwolves basketball and live to tell about it. It's flagrant howls. Oh, man. Last night at Target Center, gentlemen, that was quite the experience. Let me just say. Packed house. That atmosphere, I actually, so I've got uh, Phil's Wolves takes for you guys here today. Got Judd, got Declan in on flagrant howls. That atmosphere is a blast. Mm-hmm. It's like pre-new arena. Like once they get a new arena and then they start doing like, you know, personal seat licenses and stuff like U.S. Bank Stadium. I'm sure the crowd will change, but it is a blue collar, young, drunk, loud, <laughs> rowdy crowd at Target Center right now. It probably reminds Judd of like the old Met days back in the uh, the North Stars days. But it's such Absolutely. a fun atmosphere right now. Well, and I, I think, too, that the great thing about it is this team has been I mean, it hasn't been this good in ages like mm-hmm. this good. It's been they, they've popped up more in recent years. But, yeah, it reminds me of North Stars crowds because I don't know how much seats cost. I don't know how many free tickets are being given away but it's very clear that people are getting into the building who to your point once they build a new arena or or you know what like a wild game that's a lot of families a lot of corporate tickets yeah yes i i always welcome when you actually get the true sports fan in your building because it is always 100 more fun i went with a buddy last night and we were sitting like i don't know like 15 or 20 rows up the lower bowl kind of like between the benches on the on the wolves and uh thunder bench side and there was a group of four or five guys behind us i think they were from canada i don't know if my guess is like they sounded the most it's like the most canadian 28 year old drunk dudes i've ever (laughs) heard in my life and i'm pretty sure they probably looked on the calendar and said okay uh bears and vikings yeah okay we'll uh we'll come down for a little come down from winnipeg or wherever they were coming down from and maybe do the monday night game against the bears and then stay for a wolves game they spent two and a half hours riding the officials it, and I, awesome. all throughout the arena. Like the fans, the fans knew enough to boo Josh Giddy for two and a half hours, even like yep. in the intense moment, like at the start of a game. OK, let's fo- let's fixate on this guy who's in the news and, you know, we'll, we'll see how that thing plays out. But then like to, to stay focused on it in the middle of like a fourth quarter back and forth game where, OK, like Josh Giddy touches the ball. Boom! and they're getting on the officials and stuff like i was proud of how yes how smart and also uh i don't know what the word is like how much the fans are poking at the people that need to be poked at like it's Mm -hmm. an actual atmosphere that's hard to come into if you're an opposing team or a ref who's looking to be whistle happy i've Mm -hmm. been to a handful of games uh from last year and the atmosphere was good last year but they got off to the weird start and then i went to just the celtics game this year which like legitimately i think was the most fun timberwolves game i have ever experienced in my life haven't been to a lot of wolves games in my life but that was a blast and it just feels like it is a very engaged and also intelligent crowd you can have engaged stupid you can have a very engaged stupid crowd this is an engaged smart crowd that knows exactly what they're looking at and i think it's I think it's a two. I think it's a couple things. It's pent up frustration from them, yeah, being really bad and now being rewarded with a really good team. So those people that have been coming in and coming out forever are now getting rewarded with a good team. And then you have this new kind of wave that the NBA has attracted, obviously, a lot of younger fans. And it's awesome to hear all these people basically pack Target Center, which is not a great arena, but they make it feel like in one of the best arenas in the NBA. 
you jump the shark with a fan base when the team gets good and people go to be seen. Like people aren't there to be seen. They're there's there a, to have fun and people. watch the oh court yeah courtside thousand dollar <laughs> tickets. But I'm saying there's a lot of people in that building that like you will see the, the this grow. Um, you will see it grow when people start to get more of the lower bowl seats that are just normal seats. But hey, I gotta go. You know the wolves are good. This is great. This is fantastic. And and it's the second such uh, time that we have seen this in 2023. Because that Blue Jays Twins playoff crowd was the same type of deal. Yes. Mm-hmm. A bunch of tickets available, like it's a big game. People are like, hell yeah. But it they could afford noise. to get in. This is why I love it when people can afford to get in. I think we had five different refs, you suck chants. We had uh, even like when, and there's some clips out there. I retweeted a couple of them. People are grabbing clips. Kyle did on his Twitter account of Rudy Gobert. Kyle put a great video out, and and I should at some point I should just segue into my my wolves takes because this is this is going to be I, I'll just start with this one. Everybody was wrong about the Rudy Gobert trade. Everyone who crapped on that trade a year and a half ago and said this is the this is the Herschel Walker trade. This is the worst trade in NBA history, maybe the worst trade in sports history. Sure, why would the Wolves ever do this? And then of course, like it, the, the first year was kind of clunky. It takes a while to gel when you're trying to play two guys who traditionally are both fives and then Cat gets hurt and it just it didn't look right in the first year. But I encourage you guys, go find Kyle's Twitter account from last night. And I retweeted it too. There was a possession and Oklahoma City even grabbed like an offensive rebound or two. It winds up being like a 45 second possession with multiple attempts. Rudy Gobert does not record a stat in the possession. No blocks. No rebounds, nothing. And he is, he altered like four trips into the lane where, oh, here, here I come, Shea Gildas Alexander. Oh, no, I'm going to go back this way. Pass it over here. This guy's going to cut in. Oh, God, I'm going to go back out this way. And, and he winds up, he winds up just throwing everything off for two different possessions. And then there's another one. And I think I retweeted this one too. But he is, he's playing clamps defense on like three different guys, including Chet, Holm, Chet Holmgren. Here he comes into the lane. Oh, going to go back. Fade away jump shot. Rudy is there at every step, and he forces an air ball on Chet Holmgren. Chet Holmgren is a praying mantis who shoots threes at like a 40% rate. He's, he's becoming, and it's early in his career, one of the harder guys to defend, I think, just because you got to worry about dribble drives, perimeter, all this stuff. And so last night was a great test for how good can this Wolves defense be when playing a team that can kind of kick five guys out and play that style where you can pull Rudy out of the paint? And the Wolves made an adjustment after the first quarter. And Rudy, if you just watch his individual effort, he forced Chet Holmgren into like a six for 20. I don't know the boxer, but like a six for 20 shooting night on the perimeter, in the paint. It was one of the most incredible performances of the Rudy Gobert era here in a year and a half. The draft picks don't matter. The role players they gave up don't matter. You want Vando back? You know, like, you want, you want Walker Kessler in here right now? He's having a down year compared to last year. It's a year and a half later, but my first take here today is everybody who bitched about that trade is being proved wrong in 2023-24. That being said, I understand, though, why there was an immediate feeling that they wanted results. And I don't blame fans. Like, you gave up a ton. You did. And he came in and what I think he, he was uh, he was hurt or certainly tired from his time 
uh, with his with his international team. Uh, he didn't click. He didn't gel. He clearly, and we talked about this on Flagrant a couple of weeks ago, he clearly was not comfortable, too, which is not a surprise. Like, this guy played his entire career with the Jazz, and now he's been traded, and he has to fit a new system. Um, so I don't blame fans for being impatient, but now, yes, it looks like an entirely different trade. And And I'll say this, too, and Nas keeps talking about this, and he's exactly right. This team finally has matured. This team finally has matured, and the pieces have fallen into place for people who – the roles are now, it seems to me, and especially since Cat quit whining about two weeks ago, roles now look defined. Gobert is comfortable. Ant's comfortable. Dare I say it? Cat is comfortable. So, like, the, Nas is exactly right. Like, this is what – this is this is why last year – Slow-mo was taking a shot at Rudy on the bench during a timeout and why this year to steal Duke's favorite words, it's kumbaya, because it seems like everybody is comfortable in their own skin. And just flat out, how long has it been since we could say that about a Wolves team that we yeah. had any hope for? But also, too, just from, you know, just from like a tactical standpoint, the biggest criticism of that trade and everything you said is right, that when you make a trade like that, you're not expecting it to take a full year and you, you, right. you want the payoff earlier. It didn't happen really. Although they did make the playoffs in back-to-back -back seasons for the first time in 20 years. So I don't know that it was a failure last season. I think people thought they were going to win closer to 50 games. So, you know, whatever. It was a little bit disappointing, but there's this misperception. I feel like in the NBA because of what the Warriors did with their dynasty that, Oh man, you can't be too big. Like literally oh. in a league where, Everyone is a tree. Everyone is the, the basket is 10 feet high. And even the shortest players, if you ran into them in a grocery store, it would be like a foot taller than you. This idea that, oh, man, you got to be careful getting too big in the NBA. But look around the league like the Lakers won a championship a couple years ago with a huge starting five. The Nuggets won a championship last year, one of the biggest, lengthiest teams in the NBA. But it's almost like the Steph Curry and the Warriors have warped everyone's perception of, oh, man, because they have a guy that shoots from 40 feet, lights out, and they have a small ball team that can be switchable and do all these things that everyone's blueprint has to look like that. But the reality is, if you can play as big as possible and have it work together and and you can be able to keep, you know, the big lineups on the court defensively, that is the best path to going deep in the playoffs and winning a championship. Now, the question was, okay, can this particular big lineup play together with Cat kind of moving off the five into the four? But it, it was, almost, I guess, my biggest gripe about the commentary a year and a half ago was, well, how can all these big guys play together? I mean, there's tons of evidence all over the league that you can play big lineups, and they're dominant and hard to play against, and they rebound, and they play great half-court defense, and so... I don't know. I feel, I feel like now we're getting back. Okay, the Warriors dynasty is kind of fading out, and now we're getting back to Yeah, it's like it's really beneficial to just have a bunch of big dudes on the court that get hands and faces and rebound and play great half-court basketball. I think two Take things. You know, sports sports and championship teams always change. So, like, this happens in hockey a lot where, you know, the the 
10 years ago was the rise of these small guys like Johnny Goudreau and everyone kind of rising up. And then they realized, oh, if you just get bigger brutes like St. Louis and Boston had for a long time to slow them down, you can win hockey games like that. In the NBA, I think we got kind of just super sucked in with Steph Curry's and Clay's and Chris Paul's and James Harden's and all these guys that can shoot threes and can dribble drive to a degree. Um, and now you're seeing it change. But I think with the Gobert commentary, and it's starting to a little bit change, but I think like the national pundits and the bigger podcasts out there that cover NBA stuff, they probably really won't respect it until the Wolves make a playoff run. And in fact, if the Wolves unfortunately get bounced early in the playoffs, which I don't think will happen, that is going to be bullet board material number one for them. Like until Rudy Go- a Rudy Gobert team makes a deep playoff run, all of this fun regular season stuff is probably just going to go right over their heads. Yeah, I mean, there there is a, a postseason sort of stigma or maybe it's like between a stigma and a reality that, you know, Rudy Gobert gets played off the court in the that's playoffs. What's, but That's going to be fun to watch. But Can this is that? so, and, and, and they won't get to, you know, they won't get to fight back against that narrative until May. Right. So it's all speculation for the next six months. But I'll continue to say that that Utah team, not that Rudy wasn't put in some blenders that he couldn't get out of too, but that Utah team didn't have perimeter defenders like Jade McDaniels and Anthony Edwards and Nikhil Alexander-Walker and even like Mike Conley in his old age, who we'll talk about in a later take on this episode. Take number two. I think last night's win was the best win of the season for the Wolves in a season in which, as Declan mentioned, they've beat the Celtics, the defending champion Nuggets. They've had a couple other really nice wins so far. They're the number one team in the Western Conference by a game and a half. So they've put together some nice stuff here in the first month. I think just because of the circumstances, Oklahoma City is a really good team. Shea Gilgis-Alexander is one of the best players in the NBA, and he was hot last night. No Jaden McDaniels. That's a game where you would have just put Jaden McDaniels on Shea Gilgis-Alexander for portions of that second half to just shut him down. And then Anthony Edwards goes out with the hip injury, and it sounds like it's just a bruise, and the post-game locker room reports are that you know, he's he's going to live, he's fine. I was watching him kind of below us as he came back. He was smiling, laughing. So I, I don't think it's a serious injury, but he went out, and they had to play like a chunk of the third quarter and the fourth quarter without their two best perimeter defenders against that team, digging out from a 10-point deficit. And they did. They put the clamps on. And so I just feel like, with the chips that you were down and with how well Oklahoma City has been playing and they're not going away in the Western Conference, that was probably the best win of the season to, to date for the Timberwolves. It's impressive because they are putting uh, together almost like an NCAA basketball team resume wins. It's like they are, the Celtics yeah. win was really impressive. <laughs> I, I went back and uh, looked look this up last night. The Pelicans win. What, 121-120, they came back and won that game. So, like, they are putting together some really impressive wins. The thing about last night that impressed me, though, in in um, watching the highlights and going through the game stories was the fact that they went to a zone defense to come out in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's coaching. Like, that's Chris Finch. That's a development there that is just really great to see. And I also thought it was interesting that he put Conley in and didn't take him out yeah and sort of lamented that in the post-game press conference but said I couldn't really take him out you couldn't yeah and it's great like Conley winds up what three for 14 or something from the field yeah but just his organization and the way that he gets in and out of sets and directs traffic he winds up with like a plus 17 
plus minus rating on the night. But, you know, uh, heat culture has been a huge talking point for 20 years in the NBA where it's part of the heat's DNA that they can, they can swap guys out. They can change from the LeBron Wade era and move very quickly into like a Jimmy Butler era over here. And it's just 20 years. Now they have to have good players, but it's 20 years of culture in which they can have a bunch of undrafted dudes out there for a half a season and still wind up making a playoff run because they, you just put pieces in and the, and the culture sort of molds it right. The Wolves for 20 years have been, whatever heat culture is, the opposite of heat culture. Blowing 20-point leads, embarrassing themselves, you know, losing streaks. And I feel like there's, there's I don't know, we, at some point we can define it more thoroughly on this show, but there's a sort of Wolves culture now that's brewing where they've only blown the one big lead against Atlanta early, and that was kind of yeah. a wake-up call. Okay, we don't want to go back to what we were doing last year. But there, it's it's defense. We should almost come up with like four defining it's words. It's maturity, for it. though. It's maturity. Maturity. It's doing, it's doing all. But no, but I, I think maturity is the culture because defense is not probably fun for most guys. For yeah. Jaden, it probably is. But but like we're talking about we're talking about doing the things that you might not want to do and that might not um, stuff the box for. But you're willing to do them and everybody understands what they have to do. I, I think it's a, I think. Heat culture starts with a maturity of understanding what it takes to win, regardless of what the box score says. Yeah. And it, it, it wasn't last night. It felt like a, this sounds ridiculous, but last night it felt like a Wolves culture win. Where, okay, we've, we're, we're more mature. We're going to lean on defense. And we know we're down these two perimeter players here. So, hey, Troy Brown Jr., we need you to do more. You're, you're new here. So yeah. come on in. So next guy up, who's basically been your your ninth guy in the pecking order, maybe tenth on some nights to start the season, we got to lean on you because we don't have Anthony Edwards and Jay McDaniels. And he's like, cool, let me crack my knuckles, score twelve points in the fourth quarter, knock down a couple big threes. So it 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 sounds ridiculous to even say Wolves culture, but last night felt like whatever they're building here right. sort of seeped over into the second half, and they won despite the adversity that they. I, and I hate complaining about officiating, but the officials were bad. Two players are out. Shea Gilgis-Alexander is literally hitting anything he wants from any range, and you just sort of fight and overcome and lean on your defense and stay patient, and voila, you win a game. But the old Wolves blame the circumstances, yep. and and they say, well, we lost, but, and they whine and they bitch and they moan. This team actually says, and and I do think that a guy like Conley has a huge, huge effect because chris finch can tell those guys till he's blue in the face here's what i want here's what you need to do ignore the extraneous outside stuff uh but it's a guy like conley who's actually in a jersey who's like okay guys here's what we're going to do and i don't really care if i shoot three for 14 i'm gonna go out and play hard i I mean just think about the difference here even in the butler season jimmy butler is a lot of things he's a fantastic player but he's not a mature guy like everybody here, and and I think the Wolves culture thing or what we're seeing is fun because it's building, but it's building in a positive. It's not like it's not like it was, well, okay, the Hawks game, and now here's a good game, and now here's another Hawks game, right? Like for the first time, we're seeing what looks to be, knock on wood, a sustainable model. Yep. Yes, they're built, and, and, and every time they sort of cut through adversity instead of succumbing to it, because your, your point is valid, and not to drag Cat because he's been great the last three weeks. Even last night, he it wasn't his best game, but he stays in there. He's grabbing rebounds. He's playing Fine. defense. He's knocking yep. down key free throws at the end. 
but he was kind of the face for a long time of, okay, thing, there's a wave, like in any NBA game, teams are making runs. Those are professional basketball players over there. And, and there's a wave, there's a run, there's a bad call, there's another bad call. And you can either just get like swallowed up by the wave, and now all of a sudden the other team's on a 20-point run, or you can take a deep breath and you can be confident in the reference points you've built winning some of these games previously. And that's what it kind of feels like. There was a point in last night's game where Cat got called for two. They were bad calls. Most of the time, Cat complains and it's very 50-50 or he's just flat out wrong. And it's like, dude, come on, like you, you committed a foul. But there was a couple plays kind of back to back. And you could tell he was getting frustrated. And Finch made a proactive move. He early subbed Rudy Gobert back in the game and pulled Cat out and said, dude, this is fourth quarter, by the way, with like eight and a half minutes left. It was four fouls, I think, for Cat. So he could have stayed in the game, you know, in the fourth quarter of the image. And Finch kind of saw, okay, I don't want, let, let's be proactive. Rudy, you go in. Cat, you come out. Take three minutes, deep breath. We'll put you back in after the five-minute mark. And Cat goes back in, laser-focused, ready to rock and roll, rebound, free throws, and the Timberwolves win the game. So even like Chris Finch kind of picking up on okay, I've got to know that player right there. This is a time in his past where he's been swallowed up by some of this bad momentum. Let's just take him out for a second, take a deep breath, and we'll put you back in, and boom. On the Mike Conley front, here's another take for you, my third Wolves take from last night. It is These are like victory lap tape, uh, takes, and we're not even to December yet, but it is hilarious how many people thought D'Lo was better for this team than Mike Conley was going to be. I mean, like, there was a lot of pushback to that. Mike Conley, what is he's like 50 years old? You know, you know look at D'Lo's numbers. You know, look at what D'Lo did in that play-in game a couple years ago. But now that you've gotten to watch, what, two or three months of Conley at the end of last season and the first two months this year, isn't it great to have an organized adult running the offense, mentoring guys like Anthony Edwards, all the stuff he's doing on the bench, you know, between dead balls and, and whatnot? getting the ball to Rudy in a proactive way without mocking him behind his back like D'Lo was doing all throughout yeah. last year, according to uh, credible reports. And Conley, again, last night, even on a bad shooting night, winds up with a plus 17, best on the team. So, like, his impact has been exactly what this team needs. And Tim Connolly saw it from a mile away. He probably walked in the door and was like, okay, I'm going to make a Rudy Gobert trade here, but the second thing on my list is D'Angelo Russell. There's no way we're re-signing that guy for $30 million a year. So I hope Mike Conley sticks around for a couple more years. We'll see how long he can keep it up in his late 30s, but he has been perfect for this team since he was acquired. There are times that teams in all sports go out and acquire probably what we consider to be underwhelming players. Like they're, they're good. They might be former stars. But I love it because they're captain types and they've seen success and they know what it looks like and they know and they can set a tone. Like, like you talk about culture. Guys like Conley can set a culture. And and I, I mean, it's cliche and we sometimes laugh about it. But what happens in the room, the locker room, the clubhouse is incredibly important. Like, look at when when the twins have been successful. Look at the cohesion there and the guys that can lead. And the issue for the Wolves, and I mean, my God, they've been filled with warts. But if you look at the Wolves, after Garnett left, okay, how many times did the Wolves have guys in the room who actually had uh, credibility? You can't come in as a backup 
like a slappy and 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 you can be a great guy. That's awesome. But people aren't going to follow you. Yeah. Mike Conley has the credibility. And I think that is absolutely enormous because that sets a tone. And the most important thing, too, is that rubs off on Ant, who's still young. And I mean, how incredibly important is is that to have? Mm-hmm. So, so like when we say Ant is that this is Ant's team and this is Ant's team. OK, but you have an infrastructure now with a guy like Conley. I wouldn't be surprised if, if we find out at some point that Mike Conley in the past month or so took cat aside and said, yeah. dude, 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 Just dude, here's what breath. like, you're like, deep you're breath. unbelievable. Like you got more talent in your pinky than I probably do in my entire body, but that doesn't mean you can have success. I feel like the way that cat all of a sudden just flipped a switch, somebody got to him. And I don't think that can probably be a coach because coaches be talk a, at, a it's got to be you a, respect. up here. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And that's yeah. what Mike, Mike Conley. So, and that's just the off the court stuff. And you're right. D'Lo was all about D'Lo. And the problem too there is he wasn't good enough to justify that. No, no. So there's, I think D'Lo, even on a team where it's like, oh, you got Anthony Edwards on the rise. Carl Anthony Towns is better than you are. And Rudy Gobert is a, a opposite and different player, but. This dude's in here as a defensive player of the year, and it still felt like he wanted it to be the D'Lo show before. All right, it's going to be the D'Lo show first. That's my main priority. And then if I get around to it, I'm a good passer too, and there's some nights where he'd get other guys involved. Yeah. Conley comes in, and like if if he doesn't take a shot, he's not going to be mad. He's not going to be annoyed. He's not going to be showing bad body language. He comes out and says, how can I get everyone else going as a point guard and as a leader first? And then trust that it's going to come around to me and I'll just be open in the corner five times tonight, you know, based on the flow of this thing. And it's been uh, exactly what this team needs. Speaking of things that you might need out there, audience. Okay. Let's be honest about the state of our homes during this holiday season. How clean is your home right now? Dirty floors. Our friends at zero res are here to help you for the holidays. Okay. Those paw prints tracking in snow and mud. Judd spilling surly all over the carpet. Oh God, okay? I can't imagine coffee. That's much of coffee. Yeah. yeah, just just coffee all over the place while he slings yeah. his sports ticks all over the carpet. See, I can see Judd looking at the carpet and just saying, "Cause it's almost it's very similar colors. Is that coffee or is that surly furious? I don't know. Well, and we're not going to know until we call Zero mm-hmm. Res and get them in to clean those stains out. Okay, I love a clean house. There's no better way to deep clean your house and your carpets. Than with zero res. Uh, by the way, go to Google if you if you don't trust me, you can go look at their rating on Google. Four point nine rating with over seventeen thousand reviews. So you can call zero res today or go to their website for the Phil Mackey or Score North special, which is three rooms zero resified starting at one hundred twenty nine dollars. Also seventy five bucks off when you get your air ducts cleaned, which will help the airflow in your home. It's nine five two zero res. And it spells the same forwards and backwards as well. 952-0RES or 0ResMinnesota.com, 0ResMinnesota.com. Our friends at Finch Home Solutions also helping you with other things in your home, like cleaning your hot tub out or your electrical systems, Judd. No relation to our guy, Chris Finch, of course. No, 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 because Chris Finch is a basketball expert. Cody Finch is an expert on electronics, as is the rest of of his team. And so, you know what? If you're going to get your carpets cleaned, you might as well also 
make sure that your home is safe and sound because electrical issues, as I continue to say, are not a DIY project. This is not a Saturday where you're going to poke around the electronics. You're going to get them professionally checked, professionally fixed. And I'm talking about anything from um, a, a small project to your home being rewired to you considering, and how about this? It's getting cold outside. That hot tub, that long-awaited hot tub that you've been thinking about, man, it'd be nice to get in a hot tub and really enjoy it and relax. Well, guess what? My friends at Finch Home Solutions know all about the electronics that go into making sure that that is safe and sound for the hot tub to be installed. 612-357-2604, 612-357-2604, or go to their newly redesigned website at finchhomesolutions.com. Make an appointment now. Finchhomesolutions.com. They love two things, football and electronics. So give them a call or check out the website. Yeah. My last take for you guys here on this Flagrant Howls episode, and we'll get you another one tomorrow. Kyle's back in the mix tomorrow. We'll do a random wolf on tomorrow's show. Is I don't think the current Western Conference standings are a fluke. So if you look today, and we are now 17, 18 games into an 82-game season, so we're, all, we're between 20 and 25% there. I'm not saying it's going to stay exactly like this, but the Wolves are the one seed right now, a game and a half above the Nuggets, who are going to be right there defending champions for the one or the two. The Mavericks have a ton of high-end talent with with you know Luka Doncic and, and Kyrie. The Phoenix Suns with two Hall of Famers uh, in their backcourt, so that they make sense. But then you got the Thunder, the upstart Thunder, and... They were more upstart last year, the Sacramento Kings, who beat the Warriors in the uh, in the uh, tournament last night. I think those are your six best teams. Like, I guess my point is that those could shuffle. But once you start to get beyond that, you got the, the ancient Lakers. And LeBron, I know we keep saying this every year. How can LeBron keep playing 35, 40 minutes a night and carrying this thing? And Anthony Davis, like, the, both those guys are going to miss probably huge chunks of time throughout the season. They are a minus two point uh, per game differential right now, too. So they're like a 500 team that's getting outscored. That's your seven seed right now. Mm-hmm. The Rockets have been feisty, but they're probably still a year away from all that young talent really climbing up the ladder. The Pelicans, it really depends on Zion. If Zion plays, they're awesome. But he never he's like he plays like 35% of the game. So can you bank on him playing all the games? No. The Warriors, it's Steph Curry, a bunch of old dudes. Andrew Wiggins is checked out. Draymond got another technical last night. The Clippers tried to put a, like four dudes who love to dribble the air out of the ball together. Probably all f- future Hall of Famers, but that's going to work well. Dude, healthy Paul George, healthy Kawhi Leonard for the first time ever for like 15 straight games. They're two games below 500 outside of the play-in bracket right now. So I, I feel like Wolves, Nuggets, Mavericks, Suns, Thunder, Kings in the top six spots. I feel like those are your top six teams in the Western Conference, and the Wolves being like in the discussion for top three, totally realistic right now. What's your biggest concern about the Wolves? I would say injuries. I mean, Anthony Edwards plays super hard-nosed. He went up, took a tumble last night. Jay McDaniels has not been able to stay fully healthy. You know, Cat, when you're talking about seven-footers who bounce around and hit the floor like that, I think if this team stays healthy, they're for sure winning 50-plus games in the regular season. But if you start to like, now we got to take Rudy out for three weeks or something. Defense goes to hell. Um, if Ant has to miss extended time, which I don't think he will, yeah. who's the scorer that you can lean on 
on a regular basis. I, I think health is like my biggest and only big concern right now. The two that concern me, especially from a playoff standpoint, is Conley, just because he's old and, and has missed time. I, I mean, yeah. Ant took a terrible fall, but Ant is young and he plays a ton. I think he, he's going to be fine. Like, I think he is so young and so um, in, in such good condition still. Conley concerns me and Jaden, because I think in the playoffs, Jaden is absolutely instrumental. Yep. Like, I think you need him in the playoffs. And to your point, he started to sort of gotten to the point now where it's like, he's hurt a lot. And I know it's self-inflicted in the playoffs last year with his decision to punch a tarp that turned out to be a brick wall. Yeah. But, it's, you. but it's just, oh, it's just fantastic. But um, that one concerns me a bit because there are guys that throughout the course of their careers, especially at certain times, just sort of get hurt a lot. And Jaden seems to fall in, into that one cat or ants gotten hurt before, but comes back. I'm not too concerned about Ant. on the, the Conley thing's interesting because I'm not as worried about his age right now. I think it's maybe more of a next year thing, but you never know. Once you get past like 35, 36, you've, you've got that much mileage on you. I mean, Chris Paul for a couple weeks, Chris Paul just looks cooked period now, but it took him oftentimes until like May or June to really look cooked. So we'll see on Conley, but yeah, my worry would be if he has to miss 25 games with something, who's running that offense for 25, 30 minutes a night that you feel, I mean, Nikhil can run the offense. Anthony Edwards can be point ant. So I'm not saying there's not ball handlers, yeah. but who can run it the way he runs it? And right now the answer is probably nobody. And I'm saying I want those guys. I, I guess my concern, and this sounds weird talking about a team that has struggled to qualify for the playoffs before, but my concern is the playoffs. Like I want Conley and Jaden. If you take them out in a series, it worries me a bit because I do think Jaden, I mean, Jaden defensively, it, it's incredible. He gets recognition here. I don't think he gets nearly enough nationally. Mm. I no. think he is phenomenal. Well, dude, that's another thing. The commentary on the Gobert trade, and I, lo- I love Bill Simmons and, and his podcast is excellent, but when that trade went down, I'm pretty sure I remember him and Russillo talking about, like Bill, Bill in particular, wait a second. The Wolves gave up all those first round picks because they were balking at including Jaden McDaniels in the trade. Like, why? Oh. Like, Jaden McDaniels, like, whoa, whoa. No, no. Yeah. We all agreed on that one. But I get it because if you don't watch Wolves games on a regular basis, he's certainly not a box score monster. You don't look at Wolves games and think, wow, that guy who scored eight points on four shots with two rebounds, like, that guy's a key piece. But if you watch the games, Jaden McDaniels and Rudy Gobert rack up more non stat effective plays. We need to like invent more mainstream stats for the things that those guys do to throw off possessions. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's you, just, it's a blast. Do you guys have ever, when, when you're either at a game or probably more so on TV, when Jaden's on the floor and, and they show a close-up, that dude is scary locked in. Oh. Like those eyes, those eyes, just he, got, he, he got no room for mercy. He's a, it's, he is a cold-hearted defensive killer out there. That's impressive. Yeah. So there's your uh, there's your Wolves takes from a fun night at Target Center last night. I know you guys have a Judd's Hockey Show for, uh, hey, the Wild finally won a game yeah, after I, not winning one for a lot long of time. empty Fire seats at the X. I wonder if they were at Target Center. A lot <laughs> yeah. of empty seats. Now, now they're sold, but that's still not a good thing. 
Yeah. So you guys have a Judd's Hockey Show today. If you guys missed, too, we had uh, Joe Buck on Purple Daily a couple days ago. He was excellent. Some of his quotes wound up in TMZ. <laughs> yeah. So cool. Oh, that was impressive. And then Rick Flair was in the Score North Studios Ooh. yesterday. You can find that on the Mackie and Judd podcast feed or the Score North YouTube channel. I'm not in the office today, but uh, I was joking with AJ and someone else in our office yesterday. Like after Rick Flair had left, it'd been like an hour or two. His cologne still was <laughs> all over the building. Radiating. He has that classic old man cologne. And like, oh, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not, it's not a back slap. Like it, it smells fine, but it's that old man cologne. And I'm like, yeah, it it's... still smells like Ric Flair in here. I hope it smells like Ric Flair forever. Yeah, me in too. That studio. You guys yeah. will bristle at, at this. Um, at some point yesterday in the afternoon, Dawn is scrolling through Facebook or something. And she says, Who's Ric Flair? Because oh. oh, she Dawn. saw the picture. Dawn. My Dawn. My Dawn, Dawn doesn't, said. You know who she Ric no Flair idea. is. Of course I do. Yeah, he's okay. a huge name. Um, she's scrolling through and sees the picture. And she's like, who's Ric Flair? Oh, Dawn. And I'm like, educate Dawn on only one of the more greatest fam- wrestlers you know, of all time. Only one of the most famous wrestlers. It was so. pretty hilarious. We, we were waiting for him. Like, we couldn't see him, but he was on the KS95 side. And for our listeners, we, we share two different offices. So the KS95 is across the hall. We're over here. And Phil and I are just waiting in the lobby. And then all of a sudden, out of the silence, we just hear a, woo! Yep. Like, like in, in Ric Flair voice, too. And it was like, like, oh, my God. Hallway. Ric you know Flair what's great? just wooed in our building. He looks great. That dude has cheated death for how long now? He's a walking miracle. He is. Yeah, and, I, and he is... Uh... I don't know why and how he still does this at 74, 75 when the cameras, he's one of the nicest guys on that level of fame that I've ever met. I mean, super pleasant experience. Mm-hmm. I also just want him to like go hang out at home and <laughs> you don't need to be doing five media appearances in the 15th market. You know, say, I saw pictures of him with our guy H Lake. Yeah. With you 93 X. Yeah. And, yeah. Middle Somebody home. else, yeah, just dude, just go. You've you've done enough, man. Like just You're go. You're doing home. a car wash at seventy four. Yeah, I know. It's amazing, man. Uh, thanks for hanging with us here on Flagrant Howls, your favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast. Woo.